Hello, everyone. My name is Virginia Pradhan. I am the host of Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan podcast, which is every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time. You can hear our podcast on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Edify Podcast Network, and of course, you can watch it on our um, YouTube channel. We are so grateful to be here. You know, my passion is to equip and train you to live a life of significance and success, significance in God and significance in um, investing in other people's lives. For many of you, you know my my past and my present from my book, um, Saving My Assassin, you can buy it at virginiapradanbooks.com slash product slash book, and you will be encouraged because there is nothing about me. It's the power of God in me. So you can put your hands, your life in God's hands. Our podcast also is um, focused on bringing courageous leaders that will train us and from their perspective how to be courageous and how to let God build the leadership in us that will change us, will change our neighborhood, and will change America and the world. And one of these special, special courageous leaders is June Hunt. June Hunt is a founder and the CSO, the Chief Servant Officer. I love this, of Hope for the Heart and the Hope Center. She is an author, singer, and speaker. She built the Hope Center, a three-story lodge-like home for 60 Christian ministry. Her Hope for the Heart ministry is now and changes life in 36 languages and 60 countries and six continents. June is very well known for developing um, key for keys for living, uh, biblical counseling uh, intensive at nine hours in deep teaching. Her radio uh, program, Hope for the Heart, it's uh, Hope in the Night, it's listened all over the world. Uh, she received in 2020 Radio Impact Award from National Radio Broadcast and the Hall of Fame Award in 2021. Welcome to our podcast, June. We are so delighted. We cannot wait to hear what you're going to teach us. I am thrilled to be with you and love how God has used you in a very specific way uh, to help people who are wanting to maximize why they are alive. They want to be all that God created them to be, or we'll put it this way, after they hear you, then they may now for the first time want to be the reason why God put them here on earth. And uh, you are most definitely used by the Lord in that very way. I'm grateful to be used, and I want to tell people that don't know me that I'm under five feet tall. I have an <laughs> accent, and I can say several other things, but those are not excuses. 
God can use me because he gave each one of us skilled talents. So don't, don't use excuses. I don't have, uh, who am I? I don't have this and that. God will give you everything that you need and you will serve him for his glory and to equip and encourage others. You made a statement, uh, don't use certain circumstances as excuses. You know, that's really significant, uh, what you just said, because all of us have certain situations that we could look at that would discount what we might think would enable us to be as effective. Uh, The issue is God is the one who has the plan for us, meaning, I I will tell you, I did not know anything about the Bible. I wasn't in a biblically-based church. I was in a church, but no Bible was used. And this is a mainline denomination. And I saw people who had what I call the real thing. Now, I didn't know what they had. Whatever it was, I was so drawn to uh, their integrity and the quality of their lives and I began to live for Sundays because I knew that these group of people uh, would be um, uh, meeting together to learn about God and his word and all. And I, I didn't know I was missing anything until I saw them and I thought, I want what they have. But what I will tell you is it was uh, stunning when I saw Youth, I'm talking about teenagers who were centered on values that I had not seen before. And the youth leaders were extraordinary. I was so drawn. And what I'm saying is there are times when we have not been exposed to values that are life-changing. And I began to see what they had and they would tell me certain things uh you know christianity is not a religion it's a relationship with christ and i thought well it, it is a religion i don't understand why they would say that but i missed the point i missed the point totally they said it's a relationship with jesus christ on the inside of our hearts and he will lead us and he will empower us to literally be overcomers. And that's your forte is be, be an overcomer. Don't be confined by your circumstances. But very candidly, I grew up with a fictitious last name. Uh, I, uh, my dad had three families going on at the same time. Uh, I hated him by, for how he treated my mother. He, he was cruel and I didn't know about forgiveness. To me, forgiveness seemed wrong. You're just letting somebody off the hook. I didn't even understand. My point is, in retrospect, I can see how I could have been limiting what God would want to do just by my circumstances. And and I, I needed to be a learner. I needed to learn from people like you, Virginia, who had also gone before and been a leader, but in a in the right way. So uh, I, I appreciate, I didn't expect to hear you say that initially about how 
we can limit ourselves. We can so think we we can't make any difference. So you are you're hundred percent right. Thank you. I love what you said. It's so beautiful. And many people, maybe they don't know about your past and your painful past that you explain. But I am amazed how God used pain in your life to move you from pain to power in his name and to empower others too. And also how you... Um, um, you explained the mess that uh, your father created, the lack of knowledge of what forgiveness can do. And God moved you from that mess to have, for you to have a message and to have a mission and to change so many lives in so many continents. I hope that our viewers and listeners will take to heart to understand what God can do in one person. It's amazing what God is doing in your life and in your ministry. And I thank you for sharing that. Yes, well, well one thing that you just said, okay, pain. Everyone has pain just in different areas. And we can allow God to turn that from just pain to pain with a purpose. For example, if I'm hearing about someone, some let's say somebody calls me on the phone and I'm listening and I'm talking about on a, a, a call-in counseling program, um, the issue is not me finding fault and criticizing that person where I see that there's fault. But instead, um, there needs to be compassion. Our God is a God of compassion. And I remember one day when I, I saw mother being uh, verbally attacked by my dad and I was angry, uh, didn't say anything. And then he left and, and I said, how can you be so nice to him? I was a teenager at the time, and she said, Oh, honey, he doesn't know the Lord. If he only knew the Lord, he wouldn't be that way. That was it. She wasn't focusing on his fault. I was focusing, I, I, I was an expert at focusing on his fault. And that's why I resented him and had bitterness and hatred. That wasn't where she was. She was kind, and that doesn't mean being wimpy, you know, just uh, just allowing everything negative to happen. But my point is she looked beyond his fault and saw the need. He needed to change life through Christ. And that was the first time I'd ever thought about it in that way. So And I, I saw how it impacted me from that point on. Instead of focusing on the faults of others, Let's focus on what the need is. And God, do you want me to be a part of helping meet that need? I may not be a direct person to meet the need, but I might be. I don't know. And so uh, I think it's much easier to be a fault finder. And if you'll notice, fault finders seldom find anything else because that's all they're looking for is the fault. Instead, we need to focus on 
what is the need? And I'll just say this. Yes, I had an adulterous dad. Um, again, I was bitter about that. Years later, a man, his, his nephew came to me and he was asking me to be a part of a committee of something and uh, dealing with cancer. And I said I would do that. And, that. and then at my front door, he said, by the way, are you aware that your father in Illinois, when he was raised, being raised, that he would um, sometimes spend the night at our house or sleep on a church pew? I thought, I, I said, no, I've not heard that. I didn't know what that meant. And he said, yes, his father would beat his mother and the children would escape and sometimes make it to our house. And at other times, if not make it to our house, they would sleep on a church pew. I had never heard anything like this. I was totally surprised. I went to my brother, Ray, have you heard this? No. Went to my two sisters. They didn't know. And went to other family members. None of them knew this about my dad. And then for the first time, I began to have a type of compassion that I, that I had not had before. To have a, a father who beats not only his mother, but sometimes the kids, he was silent about the pain of the past. And I didn't realize why he had a hardened heart. So sometimes we don't know what the pain is. And I always say, if you can, find out, ask, what was it like for you growing up? Now, they may not share that, but especially if one of the parents are totally left out, try to go there because sometimes you can help them start dealing with whatever the pain of the past was. But I have learned personally that pain can be used for a purpose. See, because I can have great compassion. I grew up in an adulterous home. I don't, I don't focus on that. I focus on what, what is this person needing now? And yes, we've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. We've all chosen wrong. But we don't have to be limited as you indicate, we don't have to be limited by the pain of the past. You said it so beautifully, and I want to encourage uh, our listener, uh, listeners and viewers, because what you said is so important today. We have so many people that don't agree with us, and they might be verbally abusing, or they might say different things, they might put us down, but you said something very, very important. Don't look at the fault. You know, don't, don't dissect it, you know, and say, oh, for that reason, I'm going to isolate. Look at the need that they have. And one of the need is for sure the need for Christ. So do whatever it takes to bring them to Christ. Also, remember that none of us know each other's past. And like you explained so beautifully, if you have the opportunity, yes, find out about the past. If not, try to understand that God puts you there to speak the truth in love and 
find the need for the, those people. And I know that um, loving your enemies is um, it's something that I learned under persecution and uh, um, arrest, house arrest, and being beaten. And it's, it's something very hard for people that, that never experienced persecution. But I believe... Um, not finding fault and uh, be, having compassion and trying to speak the truth in love is a first step for us as Americans uh, to create unity among, even among people that don't agree with us. You will be surprised that as you share love and compassion, those people one day will stop and ask about the hope that is in you and why are you different? So you will have this uh, even bigger opportunity to do you that. Know, you just mentioned a scripture that I thought, I cannot understand that at all. And it was love your enemies. Now, I thought, that's not logical. Now, see, I am, I'm logical. I'm uh, rational. I have a, I loved math. That's not logical to some people, but uh, the truth is, I'm. Uh, I think with logic. Now, that wasn't logical to me. Love your enemies. Like you're quoting Jesus, uh, and he says, "Pray for those who persecute." Now, I was thinking that love meant in this you know, when love your enemies that it's like this Valentine's kind of emotional love and it's not so i didn't when i was first introduced to the bible i mean I mean the first number of years um i had so much to learn love in english we it's kind of like it's this emotional valentine's love this is not the love in the Bible. There are four different words, entirely different words for our one English word, love. There's uh, storge, which is natural human affection. Um, and this is in Greek. There's eros, which is passion, from which we get uh, sometimes the word erotic. But it, it can be just passion that has nothing to do with sex. Uh, now, Phileo, there is a city in the United States called what? Philadelphia. That's the city of brotherly love. That's the love of liking. And then the highest form of love is agape, A-G-A-P-E. That's the kind of love. It's love your enemies. It doesn't have anything to do with emotion. It does have something to do with devotion, being devoted enough to say, I will do what's best in behalf of that other person. It's doing what is in the best interest of the other person. That's very different from love your enemies, thinking I'm supposed to have these ooey-gooey feelings. That's impossible. And that's, of course, I, I was thinking wrong. Now, I remember I had become a Christian, and I thought I'd, I'd read uh, this verse that you just mentioned, love your enemies, and it says pray for those who persecute you. Well, I wasn't praying for my dad, and so I was thinking, 
what, how, how do I love my father? And I thought, okay, he's always misplacing this fat uh, address book, a red vinyl address book. He was the president of a company. And he many times would say, where's my address book? Where's my address book? And, uh, um, and he, I don't know where he would place it, but now I'm a Christian and I think, okay, what can I do that's most loving? I will find that address book before he asks. So before he, we sat down for dinner, which is always regular at a particular time. Uh, and sure enough, uh, he said, where's my address book? And I said, I know where it is, Dad. I will go get it. And I just slipped out of my seat. I went. It was in his bedroom, picked it up, brought it back to him, and just laid it at his side. And he looked like, huh, why did she do that? Because that was not how I had been acting toward him. And what I can tell you is I had a different mindset from that point on. Um, I learned to what is most loving, what could be meaningful. And I would look for other things that would express kindness. Now, previously, uh, one time he beat me for uh, confronting him about his women. But the thing is, I noticed, I didn't notice it immediately, but after a period of time, he was changing his attitude toward me. And earlier he had said, you're the cause of all the problems in the family. Um, you're a bad influence on your mother. In fact, I was pro prohibited from having any time with her. All of us kids were, uh, once dinner's over, you will have no contact with her. And that's not what my mom wanted, but she felt powerless. He was double her age. He was powerful. And, and my point is, at times, we, if we could just do what God says, love your enemies, meaning look at what could be the most helpful, what, what is practical, what could be meaningful to them, and do that. Love your enemies. Pray. For those who persecute you. And I finally began to pray that he would have a changed life through Christ. I, but I had said it's impossible. He would never have a changed life. Yet nine months before he died, for the first time, he was willing to pray a prayer of salvation for Jesus to come into his life. Something I had, I just said, I'll bet my life that he would never do that. I was wrong. So never, never assume that somebody cannot change or will not change. We don't know. That is so true. And I hope that um, people will, will take your example to, um, to heart and, and do what. Many times I, I remember when I was in the interrogation room and uh, there were um, people uh, and I heard the dictator 
screaming and giving them directions and everything. And all those uh, secret police wanted to uh, be in good standing with a dictator, trying to do everything on their part to force me to do what he wanted and beat me. And others uh, will, will just ask me to sign documents and everything. And I remember as the Lord put out my heart to tell them that I don't like what they're doing, but God loves them and and I choose to love them. Those people were turning their heads, they were crying. They they could not, they couldn't, they didn't know how to deal with me. And many times I am thinking, I'm waiting for the day when I will go to heaven. And how many of them will be there? Because God give me the, gave me the strength and the power to be his tool in, in that situation. And many times I, I receive from our podcast, I want you to know that our podcast is all over the world and people from South Africa and people from Europe and everything will we'll, uh, send um, us uh, emails or texts or um, something and will say it's exactly what I needed to hear. So I'm very encouraged by your presence here and everything, the values that you gave us. I'm sure that many of them will say it's exactly what I needed to do to reconcile with my father or with my sister or, or with a neighbor or someone that that you don't know, but you don't like it. And you put different things on Facebook that are not maybe what what Christ wants to do uh, or for us to do. What would you say to Christians in, in America today that we might uh, go through a persecution in America? How they should prepare for that? Well, today we have unusual unfortunate instances again and again and again of what is called the cancel culture. Um, Virginia, I could easily see that someone could target you because you're taking a stand. You're, You're saying, I choose to yield my will to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am willing to help others know the value of having Christ in our lives. Uh, it's not just knowing about Jesus. Uh, it is literally allowing him to come into our hearts as our master. Uh, our, it's, the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So when we allow him to be our master, ruler, owner, that's what it means uh, to be Lord, then we're giving him control of our lives and allowing him to guide us, to direct us. And so the, there be there will be people who will not like your message. There will be people who will oppose those who have a, an ethical standard. And yet the truth is we are called, the Bible says you are the light of the world, just as Jesus speaking. He's telling his disciples if you are going to be a follower of me, see, he, the Bible says that he is the light of the world, and we are little lights shining our spotlight onto him 
for him to literally uh, enable us to be what we were created to be. So there are going to be people who, quote, love darkness, meaning people who are doing something wrong, they don't want to be caught. They don't want to have a spotlight on them. Instead, though, we will have those who will try to extinguish the light that we have. So don't be surprised. There are certain things to do. For example, um, okay, uh, I remember watching several years ago a number of ministries that were being um, hijacked. In other words, it's like no longer does one particular ministry that was doing phenomenal good, uh, helping those exiting out of homosexuality. It doesn't even exist anymore because of what happened. They had a new leader and all of a sudden every, he chose a different board. Well, I, I watched that and I thought, huh, because of that one instance, and not there were others too, but particularly focusing on that one, uh, I have a friend named Kelly Shackelford. Uh, he's a lawyer. They have yeah. all these pro he bono lawyers. He you know him. Yes. Well, I said, uh, Kelly, what is the best thing for us to do if we have ministries? And he said, make sure in your documents, in your legal documents, that you have the non-negotiables of your Christian faith and specifically the, the statement of faith. And um, we did not have them in our documents. So we have to learn the things to do. That means I had, uh, I gave this to, uh, I, I worked actually for a year and a half with a, to doing a statement of faith, by the way, it is free. If anybody wants to access it, it's at Hope for the Heart. Um, and I asked Kelly Shackelford, can I require all of these 60 ministries also to have this statement of faith if they're going to be in the uh, Hope Center? And he said, yes, you can. So now at the Hope Center, everyone has to be a, willing to sign a doctrinal statement of faith. Also, part two is sanctity of life, dealing with the value of human life uh, so that it's not just euthanasia. You can, if you're older, then you can be eliminated from this earth. Uh, that's state, sanctity of life. Part three is marriage and sexuality. And all of these have points, very specific points that are enforced by the Bible. And we give the scriptural we write out the scripture for those for marriage and sexuality. And last, uh, we have well, we have a fourth area, which is uh, prosperity theology. It, what, I want to make sure everything that we did is biblical. And so from that standpoint, we can encourage some people listening right now. They are part of a board, uh, a board of directors or they are volunteers, and you can say, do you have a statement of faith that is adopted legally 
uh, in your papers so that if someone comes to your organization, this uh, this volunteer organization that you're you're trying to help with, instead, is it in their documents, the legal documents? For example, I'll just say this. There was a man who, uh, there was there was somebody uh, who came to our ministry of the Hope Center, and he had a pink purse and a pink dress. Uh, he was tall, and he said, I demand to be using the bathroom of my choice. And we had five weeks previously passed the statement of faith by the Hope Center, as well as the uh, Hope, of, Hope, Hope for the Heart, which originated it. And so she, at the front, just gave him, well, these, this is our statement of faith. And he turned, and he looked at it, and he just, and he had threatened, if I can't go to the bathroom of my choice, I, you have a lawsuit on you. And so once, once that was given to him, he stood there for about five minutes reading, and then he just put it down and left. And by the way, he is in counseling now at our Hope Center. Oh, praise um, the Lord for that. Yeah. So but, but the point is, we need to be, we need to learn things to do to protect yeah. these wonderful ministries that many people are involved in. Maybe they're, you're a staff member or a volunteer or a board member, but let's learn how we can serve the Lord the best way as we serve others. That is so true. Think in advance and be prepared. So, uh, and also as you are prepared, you might have a chance to have that person who was retaliating against you now being on canceling and stepping on who knows the, the way of the Lord. So it is so wonderful. Thank you so very much, June for coming to our podcast. We just love there are so many things that you share with us and we hope you'll um, come back to us because you I have so you. much, Thank so you. much offer. Thank you so very much. Thank you everyone for being here at Courageous Leadership with Virginia Pradhan podcast, which is every Wednesday and Saturday at 10 o'clock Central Time. You can listen to our podcast at Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcast, ADP Podcast Network, and of course you can watch it on our YouTube. We will put all the information about where to find uh, those resources from uh, June Hunt on the our podcast and I hope you will reach and you because you will be enriched by everything that June Han and Hope for the Heart uh, has to offer to everyone. Thank you so much. Send us your questions and we will answer and we are so delighted to train and to encourage you to be strong and courageous. Again, Jun Han, thank you so very much for your, your presence here, and thank you for all the values that you, you share with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, and God bless you.